Welcome to the Mark Cameron Show. We find out why people do what they do, how they do it, and what the future of their work is. My guests today are Ian and Bryony Cameron. They're a couple from Scotland who decided to sell everything, buy a boat, and go where the wind takes them. We had this conversation over Zoom while they were somewhere in the Caribbean. They run the Red Seas Project, which sees them sailing around the globe, sharing their travels through YouTube and Patreon. Their main goal is to discover and share beautiful stories of inspiring people and projects they meet along the way. Check it out. Well, welcome, welcome, welcome. This is absolutely excellent because this is the first conversation I've ever had with anyone who is on a boat while I <laughs> am on a land. So it is absolutely brilliant uh, to see you both. And thanks for, for coming on. So, Ian Bryony, uh why don't you just tell us a wee bit about who you are and uh, what you're up to? Okay, hello. Um, yeah, we are Ian and Bryony. We're from Glasgow. Um, about two years ago, when the pandemic hit, we just decided that lockdown in an apartment didn't sound very fun. So we just decided to go off and have an adventure. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Well, so it had been kind of boiling for a while, but effectively we, uh, we decided to sell everything we owned uh, including our flat in Glasgow. Um, we bought two one-way plane tickets to the Caribbean and we bought a sailboat, um, having basically only sailed on weekends on other people's boats occasionally. Yeah. And, um, and the goal was to live on it and sail around the place, around the world maybe. Yeah, just kind of see where the wind takes us, really. We don't have too much of a plan. We're not very good at planning. Planning is <laughs> not a good idea on a boat. <laughs> so... Um, what was it that, that led you to this uh, decision, this amazing decision uh, that's taking to where you are now? Well, yeah, so it was probably ooh, two years in the making. Yeah. Yeah, two years in the making. Basically, I, I used to run my own company and I traveled around a lot with that. And uh, I got quite frustrated traveling around on my own all the time and seeing these cool places, um, but not being able to share them with Brownie. So one day I was fortunate enough to be working from the flat, sitting on the sofa with a laptop, which was my office. <laughs> and uh, I sort of had this brainwave after being introduced to YouTube channels about sailing. I thought, well, why can't we just do that? We could do all of the same work I do right now, but we could just live, you know, on the water in these wonderful Caribbean-y, tropic-y, tropic type places. Uh, so I started this idea of, yeah, let's, let's sell everything. Let's buy a boat. We'll go do that. That'd be great. And Briny's response was maybe not what I was expecting. Yeah, he just wouldn't let go of this idea and uh, turned to me and said, oh, let's, let's go live on a boat. And I was just like, no, I, I hate boats. Why would we do this? This was never part of our plan. This is not what we signed up for. Like, what are you talking about? So being the responsible person I am, I sort of went, you know what? I'm going to take this idea and I'm going to try and put it over here on the shelf and I'm going to try and forget about it because <laughs> Brandy doesn't want to do it and, and it's stupid and it's crazy and it's wild anyway. So yeah, I'll just put it over there and, and I'll see if I can forget about it. And about a week went by. I mean, we went for about six months where you just kept trying to leave this idea alone and it just kept coming back up in conversation. You just couldn't get rid of the idea. So we kind of just had to take it seriously at that point. <laughs> Eventually, yeah, it was like I, I forced your hand. Yeah. So. <laughs> I, I wasn't going to agree straight away to just like, yeah, fine, we'll throw away everything and go and chase some dream. Um, 
so we put a bunch of checksums in so we started like yeah. taking opportunities to sail on monohulls where i would actually pay a little bit more attention um, and see if i could even do it um and then we'd always been sailing with other people so we said well let's try and just go sailing when it's just the two of us and see when i actually have to help out <laughs> if we can still enjoy it um, or drone one of the two you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> And like, there's a huge difference between monohulls, boats with just one hull, and catamarans, which have two. And monohulls are more fun. Well, I had never been on a catamaran, and so all I knew was monohulls. But people on the internet had said that they were really different experience. That it was like way more stable, much more comfortable. You could live wow. like that in a very different way. And and I just couldn't believe it was that yeah. different. So. I was like, well, why don't we actually step foot on a catamaran and uh, and see if all of those people online are correct? Because if they are, then maybe there's something to wow. this. But I just couldn't see myself living on a monohull where it was going to be like camping and cramped living and not like an everyday experience that I would want. <laughs> yeah, so I was very much the driving force, but these checksums got put in place. So over the course of a year, I a guess, year, yeah. we we chartered a catamaran for a half day in Edinburgh, actually. Um, this really nice guy who comes, he's, he's in a marina just under the fourth rail bridge. Yeah. Um, and we found him randomly online and <laughs> hooked up with him and said, hey, we'd like to try this out. We had this big, crazy vision. And uh, he was like, fine, come out and I'll let you sail the boat. You can see how it feels and what's like. And we had a pretty good day doing that, it has to be said. Yeah, like within five minutes, I was like, oh, Oh, everybody on the internet's right. This is completely different. Wow. <laughs> so it just suddenly opened up this possibility and then we started to take it really seriously. That's it. So we did a lot more uh, like day sailing on. My dad has a, a monohull boat, a one hulled boat uh, in the Inverclyde. So I basically started oh, wow. stealing okay. that, you know, like a teenager steals his dad's car. <laughs> I would wait till they went away, then run over and get on their boat. And uh, we would take it away for the weekend and things. And uh, once we got practice with that, that meant we were we were doing the sailing. We'd been seen what a cat was like. Then the the kind of big checksum came, roughly a year down the line, where we decided that we would charter, like hire a catamaran in Croatia, mm -hmm. in the Adriatic Sea, for two solid weeks. And basically, the goal was we would go far away from civilization, try not to see another human being for the solid oh. two weeks. We didn't want it to be a holiday. We wanted bad weather. We wanted good sailing days, rainy days, windy, nasty days. And we pretty much succeeded because it was basically the off season. So um, when we got out there, there was no one around. We didn't see a soul for two weeks. And the, the idea was if we could get to the end of it and we were still talking and still alive, then it was probably a good idea. Yeah, we knew that like everybody goes on holiday and at the end of the holiday, they're like, Woohoo, yeah, that's great. I wish I could live like this all the time, but that's just not reality. And so we were like, well, we don't we don't want to go and have a two week holiday. Like we could yeah. we could do that anytime. We wanna go and imagine that this is real yeah. life. So yeah, we want those boring days, we want the bad things happening because if we can imagine ourselves getting yeah. through those and we still wanna do it, then okay, we can we can carry on with this. So we got to the end and of course we were like, Wow, that was amazing. I can't we're off the boat and I already wanna get back on board. And we were like, but you know, that's the holiday vibe. That's what everybody says. So let's go home. And yeah. if in a month's time, we haven't thought of a single reason why we don't want to do this. We've not had any doubts. Then I guess that's decision made. And, and we went home and one day we were like, oh, wait, it's been a month and we haven't thought of a reason yet. So I guess that means we're doing it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this, is, wow. this adventure kind of keeps rolling from there on. We had to work out how we were actually going to go and, and do this crazy thing now that we kind of signed up to it. Um, the thing. Yeah. The stupid thing that exists in maybe my brain, maybe our brain, actually our brains, 
Um, we don't like to be the kind of people who say we're going to do something forever and ever and ever, but never do. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we know people like that and we've both been that person where we're like, <laughs> yeah. oh, we're going to one day buy a house in the country or one day we're going to go and see such and such live at a band concert, whatever. Right. Because no one wants to be like that. And equally, nobody really likes when people do that either, do they? <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. That's it. We like to be likable, you know? Uh, <laughs> or at least to think we are. Um, so it was kind of, we decided we were going to go on this crazy adventure, but we didn't really want to tell anyone we were doing it. Yeah. Mm. Um, which was a weird vibe, because it then meant we went on effectively a one-year mission to sell everything without anyone working out why. <laughs> So what was the best excuse that you had for selling everything that wasn't your, your boat one then? Um, uh, well, we started this quite fun game. So we would sell things and, you know, some things you could sell on eBay or Facebook Marketplace that we had an open house and stuff like that. And some things just wouldn't sell, but you would still need to get rid of them. So for some things, you know, went to charity shops or whatever. But the more unique items, which unsurprisingly we had a ridiculous amount of, um, we came up with this great game so that every time we went round to a friend's house for dinner, we took them a gift. And it's a gift, so they can't get rid of it. So, like, we had, you know, weird mugs that had come from, I don't know, funny holidays or whatever. Something. Or, like, odd ornaments that had been a gift from some strange aunt. And uh, we would just take them around. Sometimes you would give it as a gift, and sometimes you would just hide it on their bookshelf when they were out of the room. And then you would leave, and a few months later, they'd be like, where did this come from? And it was too late then to take it back. <laughs> oh, my goodness. This is brilliant. So it was uh, fun. <laughs> That's fantastic. It wasn't this like, you know, we just put everything on Gumtree or we did 17 runs to the charity shop and just wanted to encourage them. Like, no, you just sort of did the opposite of stealing from friends, just planted things in their, Absolutely. In their home. Half the our possessions are now stashed around Glasgow and the central belt of Scotland. That's right. That's right. And um, this is amazing. So then you got to the point, you sold everything. Presumably there was a point where people stopped coming to your house because... Eddie would then say, where's your house? Uh, well, yeah, the world had other ideas at this point mm. because we had just sold everything. Literally everything. We'd sold everything down to the furniture. The sofa was gone. The TV was gone. And we put the house up on the market. And four yeah. days later, the UK went into lockdown. And no. we weren't allowed to sell our house. Yeah. No. You hadn't... You had... I'm, I mean, it was rough enough for everyone else. How was that? You've just given oh. away your life. Oh, yeah, no. four months we basically sat on the floor with an iPad. <laughs> um, Saying, what have we done? We were, we're squatting in our own property at this point. It was ridiculous. Um, and kind of watching the news going, maybe they'll lift tomorrow. No, they've extended another two weeks. Uh, all that sort of stuff. Wow. And the house was on the market, but they weren't allowed, as you may yeah. recall back then, no house viewings, none of that was going on. So yeah. it was just a standstill. <laughs> Um, and so there is that moment where you're kind of questioning your life decisions. And, you know, were you really listening to the path ahead or did you just really want something you shouldn't have had? Uh, <laughs> and, and what, I mean, what on earth was that like then? How, how did you manage each day then? Because, I mean, evidently most people manage each day by sitting on the sofa. Um, you, you just didn't have one. So didn't what did you do? I mean, actually what we did is went oh wait we can't have house viewing so we don't need to keep the house tidy and it doesn't need to be set up like a show home with cut we literally had cardboard boxes with a duvet on top to make it look like a bed in the spare room it was absolutely <laughs> ridiculous but we were like hey we don't need to keep all that so what do we want to use this space for for however long it's going to be in lockdown so, so we, we pulled together what we had left so the things we would 
you'll appreciate this, I think. The things we would refuse to sell. We'd sold off almost everything except for a guitar each. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, was that bass guitar? <laughs> <laughs> Funny enough. Well, actually, yeah. Okay, confession. I do actually, mom and dad have a bass guitar in their loft. They don't know that. Freddie <laughs> doesn't know that, but I've just told her now. Okay. Uh, so there is a bass guitar still um, hiding at the moment. But no, we kept six string each. Was the deal? Yeah, and so we just actually like set up a little recording studio, and uh, for a week. In fact, it was this during, week, was this three week. years yeah. ago, during that Easter we week. set up. Uh, we challenged ourselves to record a song every single day and to record a video to go along with it. And the the deadline started out as midnight, and it got later and later every day. So it was like, well, as long as we don't go to sleep, it still counts as the same day. And so we were like, became completely nocturnal. We were oh, yeah. up until six in the morning. Um, wow. every night trying to get these things finished but you know it was just like a fun little challenge and gave us a little bit of purpose while we had no idea what was going on yeah we, we called it songs from lockdown and it was just hilarious yeah. Um, wow. and yeah we just converted this what was our living room just became this big tangle of wires and uh, and was just hilarious fun and our neighbour who was downstairs was having to listen to us repeating the same four bars of yeah. a song on loop for like four hours straight every Bless night that kind of wow. stuff and, yeah, and yeah, when you were doing that like so presumably you'd set this path to go and live on a boat you had sold everything you're in the middle of lockdown um were, were you also still you know engaged with with different work things here or had that come to a close point as well yeah so it was interesting so my story is more complicated than yours Bryony was still working yeah, I was a teacher, um, mm -hmm. and so when the schools closed, I was working from home, but I taught P1, so, you know, they don't really have the concentration span to be able sure. to do much online. Um, so I was just going in and running. Our school was a big local hub for all of the care workers' kids. So, yeah. Um, for the, yeah, so I was going in, like, every, I don't know, a couple of times a week or something, um, and I had actually handed in my notice, um, or I hadn't officially, but they knew I was leaving, um, and then we went into lockdown, and so I was able to stay on and... and I mean, we were held there right up until August. So I was able to work right up until the summer, which okay. was absolutely incredible because if I had done it on my timing, I would have left my job already and then yeah. we would be, you know, delayed without income and everything else. Yeah. Um, so that was very lucky from, from my yeah. point of view. Wow. Absolutely, okay. yeah. And then I was, <laughs> I'd actually jumped into another job like a couple of months before lockdown kicked in. Yeah. And it was a kind of torturous job. I wasn't particularly enjoying it. But at that point, to be brutally honest, it was just topping up the, the savings sure. fund to be able to do this. Yeah, uh, and it was it was like making me kind of unwell. So it got to the stage that I was I went down. It was down in England. That I had to travel down to a, a meeting, and uh, on the way out the door, I just turned to Brian and said, "If this is the meeting that pushes me over the edge, is it okay if I quit?" <laughs> oh uh, wow! And she she's to her credit, you said yes. Oh, You're like, away. go for yeah, it. You yeah. know, if it's that bad, just give it up, move on. And so yeah, I went to the meeting. The meeting itself was fine, but I came away with just it didn't feel right to me, and I was like, okay, it's time, we're done. Yeah. So uh, on the train back to the airport, I think it was, I literally handed in my notice over the phone. I was like, you know what, guys, I'm happy to work out my term, mm -hmm. but I'm done. And so I spent lockdown not working, but instead preparing for the adventure ahead. So yes. bear in mind, we'd already sold everything we had. We were sitting on the floor with an iPad, and we hadn't yet found a boat. We didn't know where we were going to be in the world. Yeah, a lot of people asked us, you know, the very, when we told them, oh, we, we've got this crazy idea that we're going to go and live on a boat, and they were like, oh, wow, where are you going? And we were like, oh, I, I don't know. It depends where a the boat. boat is. Like, we'll start wherever. Uh, we were really open to completely worldwide, wherever the boat was that we found, that's where we would be. 
Yeah. Um, so I spent wow. my time kind of surfing the web, going through like Auto Trader. You know, you search listings after listings for boats, and yeah. you, you sort of inquire into different ones in crazy places around the world. And and you do the classic thing: you find a boat, go, "Oh, that looks perfect." Then you'd look up flights, and then realize it was like twelve flights to get to that tiny <laughs> island in the middle of nowhere. Okay, maybe not that one. Maybe that. Maybe if they could move it, it would be perfect. I mean, uh, you don't want to go to the Arctic. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We'd looked at the Caribbean. We looked at Thailand. We looked at French Polynesia, Germany. Germany like, it really was just Norway. all over. Yeah, yeah. we were wow. everywhere. Wow. And, and it was the kind of thing we didn't have a destination, so it didn't matter where it was, so long as we can get to it. But of course, at this point, lockdown couldn't get anywhere, so it was sure. kind of a weird balancing act. So I spent my time doing research mm -hmm. and kind of getting more and more in love with this idea while Brainy kept the money coming in yeah <laughs> love it love it and then there came the point so they, they're obviously lifted some point where you could make a decision hey maybe you snuck out the country i don't know but you you, <laughs> definitely had, you found a boat and just left this um, is for but, public consumption right so just... uh, yeah i think so yeah, the official line is. <laughs> no we were legit <laughs> so how yeah what was it like then that day that you you left okay so People might not recall, but so Scotland lifted lockdown for a couple of weeks, I think it was. Yeah, Something it definitely like went mm -hmm. back into lockdown again. It was it was very tense as to whether we would actually get on the flight to leave the country. Yeah, it was that yeah. kind of thing. It was like, yeah, I, I, yeah, I always think of it like that um, Argo, the film Argo with Ben Affleck. Yeah. It felt a little bit like that <laughs> going it through the airport. Really like was. any moment now, the security guards come in and shut the place down, you know. <laughs> uh, so, um, so, yeah, the UK or Scotland opened up and allowed house viewings. And within a week, we had how many? Oh, we had 11 viewings a day for 10 days or something yeah. and then sold the house really quickly. And then the house went crazy. to a really nice guy, actually. I was very pleased that we sold it to this guy. He's yeah. a lovely person. He's actually an actor wow. in a couple of things on TV. Um, but uh, yeah, so it sold. We took our few possessions that we had left, <laughs> threw them in the back of the car. The, the, we had the smaller of the two cars. We did have two cars once upon a time. We threw them in the back of the small car, the only one we'd kept, and took them across to my parents. Um, who put up with us for about a week. We just spent an entire week repacking everything <laughs> so that it was ready to actually go on a flight, but also yeah. then still looking up, okay, where can we buy a boat? And then we found one, and then it was like, right, we need to book flights then. Well, where can we go? And... We found one, but we didn't find one sort of the normal way. <laughs> Bear no. in mind, so at this point, yeah, we're now living out of the, back, the spare room at my parents' place. Okay. Um, we've got our backpacks each, and we're kind of prepared, but we don't know where we're going. Um, so surfing around like crazy, I've already had a few kind of lost leaders for boats in the past. Finally, I find one through a guy on Facebook and he says, oh yeah, I have a boat I'm planning on selling. And so I'm like, well, okay, tell me more. And he sends me one photo of the boat and I know, I recognize the model and stuff a bit like cars. You get to know the model and the make yeah. um, and all that sort of thing. So I look at it and I go, okay, I know the model from that one pixely photo. It looks okay. Um, so yeah, sure. Tell me more about it. Where should we go? When should we meet? That we negotiated a price, sorry, an, an opening price, shall we say? Yeah, the way you buy a boat is very odd. You kind of you agree on a price first, and then you okay. go and you have a survey done, and then you renegotiate afterwards. So that if if the survey comes back and says yes, the boat really is as the seller described, then you can just close at the at the same price. Yeah, but it never things, ever is. It never. And is. This is this is on Facebook. Like I got nervous buying a PlayStation on Facebook, or like. <laughs> Selling a game for a tenner is nerve-wracking enough in, yeah. you know, using Facebook. You bought a boat, you bought your, your home. So, yeah, yeah you get the yeah. survey done and then and then you pick up the boat. 
well, so we negotiate the price of the guy saying, great, subject to survey, this price sounds good. Where's the boat? And he says, well, it's in this tiny place called St. Vincent and the Grenadines, which we have to look up on a map because I thought it was Spain. Yeah, we yep. had never heard of it. Uh, the well, Grenadines I thought that was a folk rock band. Exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I ended up having to look it up and eventually find it on Google Maps and it's over in the Caribbean. It's kind of far south, heading towards <laughs> Venezuela, you know. Wow. Um, yeah. and so, so then we had to work out how to fly there. We had to fly, like drive down to London, fly out to Barbados. Yeah. Uh, had a super quick turnaround where we actually had to decide, well, do we get on the plane without our bags or do we wait and get our bags and <gasps> miss the flight? But then who knows how long we're stuck in Barbados for. So, you know, it was all... That was kind of tense, yeah. And then, fun. and we land in St. Vincent and the guy says, oh, yeah, by the way, I can't make it because of lockdowns and stuff. I'm in Dominican Republic. So oh. um, I tell you what, the boat is there. Just, you know, when you get out of your quarantine time, which is a couple of days, just jump in a taxi, head around to this marina, marina and just tell them you're looking for the boat with the name Blah Blah. So we serve our quarantine, which was kind of surreal. And then we get into the taxi. We say, take us to the marina. We turn up and there's no boat. Oh, no. <laughs> We were like, oh my goodness, oh this no. whole thing has been a scam. Like, we just, we spoke to a guy on Facebook and flew halfway around the world and it's not here. Who does that? All I can't have believe that. that we are those people that you read about in trashy magazines that fell for such a blatant scam. What have we done? You know, we're, all we have is his name on a Facebook Messenger chat. I'm like, this okay. It doesn't even have a profile. No. <laughs> Like, oh, whoops, we were really a bit keen. Um, well, we don't have a hotel to stay in or anything like that. We don't have a boat that we were going we to be living on. We literally know nobody, not just on this island, but anywhere in the Caribbean. We have no yeah. links, no friends, no family. Like, what on earth are we doing here? So, so what do you do in that situation? Well, you jump back in the taxi, tell the guy to take you to the tallest hill nearby, and you look out across the water to try and work out if any of the boats that you can see look like the pixely photo that you have on your phone. <laughs> What? Seriously. But, what? <laughs> like, that's... Now this is a video game. That's amazing. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And so, the, yeah. the even better news is that we found it. Yeah. Like, it wasn't so, in the marina. <laughs> you see a boat out at sea and you're like, there's our boat. Let's just go and get it. Pretty much. Yeah. We, we, um, yeah, we finally worked out which one it was. We're like, yeah, that kind of looks similar. And so we went... Did we go back down to the marina? Um, oh no, we went to a different place. We, we found out company. that it, it had been in the marina um, and then it had moved around the corner to another kind of company who were looking after it. Um, and so we finally got on board uh, through them eventually, um, yeah. which was an adventure well, in itself. Was well, <laughs> this is absolutely amazing. So and, yeah, basically okay, he was like, well, right, eventually I can't come and... You find the oh, sorry, I, I talked over you now. No, no, just, so uh, you, you get the point. You, you find the boat, you're there. How, what happens? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so tense. Uh, so we, we get onto the boat, which it hadn't been lived on or no one had been on the boat for probably like a year, I think. Yeah, it was August when we got on and there were still Christmas decorations on the boat. So nobody had been on it for at least eight months. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, so it was in pretty bad wow. disrepair. And uh, the deal we'd struck with the guy on Facebook was because he couldn't get to the boat, he said, you know what, just stay on the boat. Save yourself some money on hotel bills. Just enjoy the boat. And you, that nice. way you get to know it and decide if you like it. It's like the best test drive ever. Yeah. Because we were effectively told, oh, and the other part was, if you wanted to get it surveyed and part of mm -hmm. surveying a boat, you lifted out the water to check that there is actually a bottom on the boat. Oh um, and the nearest place to do that was a different country. 
So his, he basically said to us, tell you what, take the boat, live on it, sail it down to the next country and get it lifted out and survey it and do all the things you have to do and just let me know through Facebook Messenger how it's going. So for two weeks, we lived on that boat. It was amazing. We could like test yeah. everything, yeah. find all the things that he wouldn't have wanted us to find because he wasn't around to stop us. Um, it was like, yeah, the best test drive ever. It was yeah. just ridiculous. Wow. So we sailed it to the south of St. Vincent and the Grenadines. Um, and at that point, we are sat in a little anchorage, like a little bay, and we're chatting to him on Facebook because the next country was in lockdown. So we were like, well, we can't go yet because we'd end up being quarantined for two weeks on the boat and things. Um, <laughs> So he'd heard, oh no, I think it's going to change soon. Just sit tight, sit tight. So we sat there for a couple of days, maybe even a week. And uh, and yeah, sure enough, the next country did come out of lockdown. And at that point he said, oh, by the way, um, if you just look off the side of the boat you're on, you'll see another boat. That's my boat as well. <laughs> Would you maybe mind taking that one with you? So like take a boat each and go across to the next country. Um, and we said, sure. <laughs> That's what definitely is something we've done before. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And it definitely doesn't have drugs on it. Well, well. <laughs> I may have spent quite a lot of time looking through that boat very carefully because it also hadn't moved in a few months and was in pretty pretty bad wow. disrepair. Okay. Yeah, there was so much wrong with that one. We we did manage to get it across, but well, I'm not entirely sure how. We had to hotwire it for one, which yes. was kind of awkward. And um, then and then when you like leave a country on a boat you sort of check yourself out with your own passport but you have to have all of the paperwork for the boat as well yeah and uh, we couldn't find the paperwork for this second boat anywhere so we were like well we're either just not taking it or we're stealing it and i don't want to oh. do that um and so <laughs> i mean it went back and forth we were literally trying to leave at that point we were at the airport at customs and immigration trying to go through all the paperwork still no idea where this was and we phoned up the guy who owned it and he said oh oh it's not there okay let me let me phone around and try and find something and he came back half an hour later saying, it's fine. There's a, there's some guy called Seb on the island. I've never met him, but he's got all of the paperwork for my boat. So if you just like jump in a taxi and ask if they know Seb and see if they can take you to his house. Uh, he has dengue fever, so he can't meet you anywhere. But I'm sure he'd be fine if you just turn up and ask for it. And we were like, what is this? But, Such an adventure. Uh, trusting his word, we jumped in a taxi and said, hey, do you know Seb? And he was like, yeah, sure. Do you want me to take you to his house? <laughs> So, so yeah. So oh we, we get the paperwork off Seb, we check out yeah. with both boats. Bernie takes one, I take the other. We sail across to another country um, in tandem. Uh, we haul out both those boats onto the, the boatyard, onto the hard. Um, one just for storage and the one we're looking at to be surveyed. Survey takes place, price negotiations take place back and forth because the boat is nowhere near what the guy described at on Facebook. No, uh, negotiations go on for about six weeks. It, it's a really long process and you wow. can live on a boat when it's up on the hard, but you can't yeah. use any of the systems. So it's really not the same. So you're sort of, it's even worse than camping. There's like a, a toilet block and a shower block that you have to go and use that are all, you know, moldy and disgusting and covered yeah. in mosquitoes. And, uh, and then you're in a dusty, horrible boatyard where everybody's working around you. Oh, wow. and so uh, that was wow. a fun six weeks while we yeah, tried to get the, the numbers sorted out. And, uh, <laughs> And we haven't mentioned this, but people listening, we, we have a YouTube channel and Patreon and things. So we're kind yes. of doing a lot of spoilers right now. <laughs> yeah, um, sorry about that. <laughs> so if you want to go back and watch any of that, you could pause this, I guess. But this yeah. next bit is a big spoiler. Um, okay. After six weeks on the hard, we failed to buy the boat. 
um, the guy refuses to change his price. He says, no, no, the price we agreed before you left the UK is fine. And we're like, well, the engines don't work. He says, that's ah, a sailboat. You don't need engines. Uh, oh, well, on. okay, the main sail's ripped. Nah, it's a sailboat. You only need one sail. The front one will do. Um, so the sail falls through and we are found homeless in the Caribbean again. Um, <laughs> oh, stuck in a goodness. tiny, tiny, tiny island in another country and with no other boats on the horizon for us to, to look at buying. Um, so wow. yeah, all that journey, which was probably by then about two months long, yeah. Yeah. still left us hanging with nowhere to live and just backpacks. Oh my <laughs> and and so that was the there. first point where we really kind of had to go, okay, is, hmm. is this the adventure over? Do we, do we just go back to Scotland at this point and, and either just give up on the dream or do we start again and look for boats again? Or mm -hmm. do we stay here? Cause we're maybe closer to a boat that we just don't know about, but how long do we stay here for? And you know, and like, where do we stay? Yeah, like everything was really thrown up. But we kind of just came to the conclusion at the end of it. We were like, well, if we go back, the UK is still in lockdown. So yeah. we, we can't work. Um, we had both left our jobs, so we had nothing to go back to. Our house had sold, you know, just we were like, well, we could either go back to the UK and sit in a rented apartment for the whole of lockdown, however long that is. Or we can basically spend our lockdown out here, even yeah. if the whole adventure only lasts six months or a year and then lockdown's finished and we go back to the life we had before. Well, it's probably more fun than sitting in lockdown. So yeah, okay, let's stay and just see what happens. Amazing, <laughs> amazing. And and so then, you know, some things come alive and you need to stay and be, be in the process, be in the whole thing. But where did you go from there? You know, what, what was the, the time of being homeless in the Caribbean? How did you, how did you manage that? Uh, yeah, well, you know, actually it's testimony to community. This is the mm -hmm. best thing we've learned in, uh, in living on a boat now, but we actually experienced it in its rawest form back then. So we mentioned we're sitting in this boatyard. It's like a big car park for boats. And we'd been there for six weeks. And in that time, you just start chatting to the neighbors who are also there usually for one, two, three weeks. They're doing some work on their boat and then they get back in the water and go off on their adventure again. And so we'd sort of met various people in the boatyard and got to know some of them and, uh, when we sub <clears throat> pardon me when we suddenly found ourselves homeless um we basically just let some of the people we'd met in the yard know this and amazingly one of them well a couple who were on a, a brand new very very shiny boat said well we've got a spare cabin why don't you just stay in this boat mm -hmm. on the hard in the boatyard in our spare cabin okay if you don't mind so uh so we move on board this brand new saber 50 50 foot beast of a catchman fancy boat oh. Nice. And uh, we're staying in what they call their honeymoon cabin. Yeah, it was like a separate cabin to the rest of the boat. So it had yeah. its own entrance. So, you know, we, we hung out with them and ate with them and shared the living space and, and the galley with them, but yeah. actually had our own space on the boat. It was wow. just ridiculous. So generous. So we spent all that That's time, incredible. which was yeah. probably a week or so on the laptop, frantically searching for new boats mm. uh, or not new boats, but other boats that we could buy. And, uh, and then we caught wind of one down we were on this kind of tiny island called Karaoke, which is, uh, it's kind of like, it's like Mull is, I guess, to Glasgow. <laughs> I, I don't quite know how to describe it. It's a small island with not a lot of resources, but you can go to the mainland, you know. Okay. Um, the Isle of Mull is uh, a treat off the west coast of Scotland, isn't it? <laughs> that's it. Yeah, it's a, it's a gem, the hidden gem of Scotland, I heard. Uh, maybe Iona, the even smaller hidden gem. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm looking yeah, it up on so, Google Maps just now, and yeah, it's tiny. It fits on the phone. It but there's fits a place on the phone. called Argyle there. Did you go to Argyle? 
There's oh, a huge funny Scottish twist. heritage link there. <laughs> to everybody we met, we're like, oh, my 17th great-grandfather came from Scotland. And yeah, all it's really funny. Because right. this, this like, Rasta guy comes over to you. Hey, what's, my, what's your name? I am called Rasta. Okay, nice to meet you. Where are you from? Glasgow. <laughs> <laughs> and it turns out he's got the same... In fact, one of, the, one of the guys we met had the same surname as my mother's maiden name and is part of the same <laughs> clan and everything. Like, yeah, it was amazing. But you're clearly Western, West Indies, Caribbean. How does this fit? So, yeah, Argyle is a, a Scottish link. So, you know, Scotland gets everywhere in the world. It's great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, so we caught wind of this boat in, in Grenada, which is the next, it's the main island of that country. <clears throat> okay. So uh, so basically we think, well, how are we going to get there? And we hitchhike. We hike a lift with some friends that we'd met in the boatyard. And uh, they sailed us down to Grenada. And we ended up... You can we, boat We stayed on their boat for a little while. Uh, yeah, we learned that's a thing. <laughs> it really <laughs> is. a great thing. thing. That sounds way better than car hitchhiking. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. You get to so cross oceans people, this way, you know? Yeah, so many people are constantly moving, going from one island to the next. And so either they're looking for crew because they're saying, oh, it's a long journey. I need somebody either who can take a shift overnight or can just talk to me to keep me awake when I need to be. Or, um, or the people who are looking for a lift wow. are just being like, well, I'm on, I'm on this island now. I'd like to be on the next one. Is anyone sailing that direction? Oh, I can hop on with you. That's great. When are you leaving? Um, so yeah, so we hitchhiked down to Grenada and we, we stay in their boat for probably another week or so while we're organizing seeing this boat potential. Um, and then we move off their boat because they have to move on. And uh, we go and check out this other boat. And at that point, we were living in a shipping container. Yeah. Um, <laughs> literally. Uh, so we stay in a shipping container for another two weeks or so while we're negotiating back and forth with price on this other potential. Um, it then falls through. We checked out, I think, two other boats in that time. Yeah. And they all fell through. So after being in Grenada for a couple of weeks, we think, right, we've, we've tapped out the Southern Caribbean. There's no other boats for sale in the Southern Caribbean that we could look at. Yeah. So, um, so kind of a loss for words at that point we decided okay well we need to find our way to somewhere else i guess yeah. we just start heading north and hope that something turns up so there was this other boat that we had again met in the boatyard who had also sailed down to grenada um and they were doing just one massive sail not stopping in at any of the islands just going right the way up to the north and they wanted more people on board to to take night shifts and stuff so they said well if you want to jump on with us for a few weeks then uh, you're very welcome to take a cabin wow. Wow. so we were like oh Wow, we've literally just met you. What's your names again? <laughs> but that's very kind. Thank you. Um, and, and we so, really lucked out because so Jake yeah. and Stephanie. Jake is this phenomenally nice guy who's he's really knowledgeable in sailing and a lot of DIY and things. So yeah. I learned a lot from him in that time. And Stephanie, uh, his partner, his wife, is a phenomenal cook. Yeah. So um, we were doing. We started living this very surreal life where we were incredibly stressed trying to find a place to live. And at the same time, going like lobster hunting and diving with oh, nurse sharks wow. and, and just yeah. hanging out with their, their dogs that they have on board and just relaxing. It was very strange. Yeah, they're a charter wow. boat. So they actually like sell off a week by week for six people to come and stay on their boat and have this luxury vacation. And so they sort of naturally went into host mode. So we were yeah. staying on their boat and we were like, we're supposed to be okay, pitching so, in, but you're cooking for us every night. Right. So, so far it kind of goes, you get the honeymoon suite in the Caribbean island on the boat and the, then shipping container. <laughs> then you get the charter boat with the, the little yeah, servers. absolutely. <laughs> Let's just say highs and lows. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, we bounce up. Basically, we cover half the Caribbean with, with Jake and Stephanie on their boat and we wow. end up... Uh, 
on our way, we managed to land this viewing of a boat up in a place called USVI, US Virgin Islands. Yes. Um, so these are the kind of picture postcards, tranquil places that people think of when they're going to the Caribbean. So if you've ever seen an advert for the Caribbean, it's probably in that direction. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we're kind of laughing at the fact that we're living our little luxury holiday on the way up and pulling over into a few different countries on the way for various reasons. Uh, including breakdowns uh, of the boat, not people. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> just the odd little uh, moment where you just need a bit of dry land and yeah, yeah, tactical. exactly. Reprovisioning, you know, yeah. tactical <laughs> stopping. Yes, exactly. Uh, so we do that. We eventually get ourselves to actually where we are today, which is uh, French Saint Martin. We get ourselves up to Saint Martin, and we discover that we can't legally be on this boat to go into USVI into US waters. Uh, it's a weird quirk of international maritime law uh, that nobody knew but yeah, us when we the, found out. The American visa system is strange and unique, and uh, yeah. we were perfectly allowed to enter the USVI, but just not on a boat that we weren't paying money for a ticket. Wow. Yeah. So that we was could um, have, uh, we the blessing of a Donald. The, the blessing yeah, yes. of Donald's um, <laughs> uh, policies on immigration that you were subject Absolutely. to, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah, we were definitely experiencing the raw end of the bargain. So. Uh, <laughs> So we end up in US, sorry, in St. Vincent. Ah, oh, no, I'm getting mixed up. We end up in St. Martin and uh, getting a flight through Puerto Rico yeah. to St. Croix, which is in the US Virgin Islands. Yeah, so that's basically flying right over the top and past USVI and then yeah. flying back again the next day. Yeah, really <laughs> annoying. Um, and, and I made the mistake of letting Brainy organize the Airbnb accommodation in Puerto Rico. He didn't Rico. land from the shipping container. It's all his fault. <laughs> <laughs> so it was another shipping container. Uh, no, it was far worse. Uh, yeah, worse, I'm going to say. Wait, what um, is worse? What is well, worse than shipping container? The Puerto Rico ghetto. Yeah. <laughs> so we get to the airport, we, we flag down a cab eventually, and our phones had died. We didn't have data on them anyway, I think. And right. We had no money. No money. And we didn't speak any Spanish. And then we didn't have... Uh, like we had to have COVID tests, but one of them was on the phone and the phone had died or didn't have Wi-Fi and all the rest of it. So we just had to sort of sweet talk mm. our way through sign language to get into the country in the first place. Um, and we explained wow. to the, the taxi driver after asking to borrow his USB charger enough to get details on our phone. We say, hey, take us to this place. It's our Airbnb. And he does that kind of double take. And are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, we're naively going, yeah, why not? Yeah, it's the Airbnb, right? It must be fine. Okay. When has pick, picking the cheapest Airbnb for a night ever not worked out? <laughs> it's always absolutely fine doing that. It's always oh, fine, yeah. especially in um, <laughs> places you've never been. Yeah, oh, so, yeah, so we pull up eventually to this. I'm going to be polite and call it the ghetto. It was the kind of place, you know, back in the 90s in Hollywood movies, the ghetto would have those cars with the suspension that bounces yeah. and the music's playing. Yeah. It's basically that with gunfire oh. in the background. Okay, so um, you're in 90s Compton in Puerto yes. Rico. There you go, of Puerto oh, Rico. Yes. So you have to be a Spanish twist on Compton. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, and we pull up and the taxi driver looks at us nervously and, and we're like, is this the place? Yes, he says very quickly. And we get out and, uh, and we say, okay, it's this door. And we go over to the door and you read a message on the phone that says the key is in the mailbox, the letterbox. Yeah, so we're sort of searching around in the letterbox, couldn't find it, peering in the windows, rattling the door, trying to work out how to get in. And then some guy from across the street comes over and he's like, Airbnb? Yes. He's like, oh, it, it's this door down the street. You're just like trying to break into someone's house right now. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> but weirdly, nobody in the neighborhood thought that was a problem. No, no. Because that yeah, was okay. standard practice, you know. 
so we go down, we, we find the key in the mailbox and we open this, we open the, the metal, the steel gate that was in oh, front yeah. of the front door first. And then we open the front door. And as we flip the lights on, you hear the scuttering of, uh, of cockroaches all over the place as they run for shelter. Wow. Um, and you kind of look back at the taxi driver. He sort of smiles politely at us. <laughs> and we, uh, we sit and then drives in this off. place. Well, he starts to pull away. And then Brainy has the brainwave that we don't yet know the Wi-Fi password for the Airbnb. <laughs> That's in the email that we don't have on our phone. So it's like running after the taxi, trying to keep the hotspot to his phone so that I could keep the internet long enough to get into my Airbnb account to find the Wi-Fi password. <laughs> So, so we're finally moving to the Airbnb with Wi-Fi and we think, right, that's fine. Let's just, just go to bed. It'll be better in the morning. Let's just go to sleep. So, so we'll eat something and go to sleep. But of course, there's no food and we've not got any food on us. So we have to walk down the street, which is slightly terrifying, yeah. to get to something like a 7-Eleven type gas yeah. station type place. And, uh, and we come out with our ramen noodles in a packet, you know, dried ramen yeah. noodles. Like, and we, uh, we head back to the Airbnb thinking, we'll just we'll cook these. It's fine. We don't need to... We're not living luxury. We just need to get through the night. So we'll yeah. pick these up. Yeah. So we then discover that the the cooking stove has a gas bottle which is empty, so the stove <laughs> won't light. So I'm trying to cook them in the microwave. Just oh, didn't no. even know if that was possible. It did work. Kinda. And then I was like, right, serving up our delicious dinner of ramen noodles. Oh, there is some cutlery, but it's like that, you know, uh, temporary plastic, plastic cutlery. Oh, and no. one of them has been removed from the packet and clearly used before because oh, there's some food stuck in the fork. No. And it's COVID time, so I'm not using oh, that. So no. uh, who wants to go first with the shared communal fork? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, so, oh my goodness. So, yeah. <laughs> so that happens. Amazing, yeah. Uh, okay, so you're now on, you're now in Puerto Rico, and and was there a boat? Did you get the boat? Well, <laughs> so no, not in Puerto Rico, no. Uh, so we eventually get the flight over to St. Croix, which is in U.S. Virgin Islands. I did so well at booking the Airbnb place here; it was absolutely beautiful. It yeah. was completely on the wrong end of the island, which didn't okay. help. But the place itself was <laughs> stunning. Yeah, let's just say that it was still the wrong place. But um, yeah, so we we get there and we coordinate with a broker for the boat and things like that because uh, we're just trying to buy it ourselves but the boat buying system is kind of funny they have like brokers who get in between the owner and the person wanting to buy yeah uh, and so we're talking with him trying to organize going to see the boat and things like that and we eventually do get on board this boat it does exist it's really there and everything i've oh, seen it wow. <laughs> and wow. uh, we look around the boat and we say yeah that looks pretty good We'll need to get it surveyed, and then the brake lights come on again as we realise the only severe is again in a different island, yeah. a mere six hours away. Yeah. Unfortunately, the nearby island was the British Virgin Islands, which were completely, like, ridiculously strict with their COVID regulations, and they were still in lockdown and weren't going to come out of lockdown for another 12 months. So, oh, no. our only option to get the boat there, we could sail it very close. <laughs> And then okay. hop off at the, the island just before the border um, and then entrust this boat to be sailed across by somebody else that we had never met across the, uh, you know, big guarded Chasm. border that people were getting imprisoned if they accidentally crossed. Um, and then have it surveyed without us being present and trust the word of this surveyor who we had never met. <laughs> and then have the boat sailed back across the border by yet yeah. another person that we had never met and hope that this whole thing all worked out. <laughs> And uh, so we did that. Um, <laughs> and no one died? No one died. We nearly died at one point, actually. Um, yeah, we, so we sailed at the six hours north to St. Thomas, which is another island in the Virgin Islands. And there we, we handed the boat on. Well, we had a quick survey of the kind of stuff out of the water. Uh, sorry, above the water, let's say. And then the boat was taken by somebody we'd never met who took it across to 
British Virgin Islands across yeah. that guarded patrolled area. <laughs> like even got the Google out. Maps, if you Google Map British Virgin yes, Islands, yeah, check it out. It's just there is a, a million giant tiny line between the two that does oh, look yeah. like a very. It looks like a hard border. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it, it kind of is, yeah. They, it's interesting because yeah, the the British and the Americans obviously fought for a while over this, and that's how right. they settled. Um, so yeah, when the lockdown rules were different between the two, literally people were getting arrested and put in prison for accidentally crossing that line and going back again to the US. Yeah. Um, they were being towed all the way into Britain, British Virgin Islands, and being put in prison and fined two, three thousand dollars a time or something. So uh, it was a logistical challenge. But yeah. nonetheless, the boat gets hauled out, surveyed. We then start the same circus yep. of negotiations about price. And after a couple of weeks, where we were actually at this point, just to fill people in, we were living... Remember Jake and Stephanie, the boat we were hitchhiking with? We love them. And <laughs> we all love Jake and Stephanie. Oh, well, they had finally sure. made it to USVI. And uh, they had to fly back to the States to see family. And so they asked us to boat sit for them. So we were literally house-sitting their boat at the other end of the USVI, that island, St. Thomas, that we were on, whilst we were negotiating the price on this boat we hoped to buy. So uh, yet oh. again, we find kind of free accommodation, which is kind of nice. Yeah. Um, and after yeah. all the negotiations back and forth, which is a whole adventure <laughs> involving falling out with brokers who then refuse to talk to us, but will talk to his son, who then passes the message on like a playground, oh. um, like a playground Barney. Um, eventually, we get an agreement of a price, kind of. And yeah. a date that the boat is going to come to us in St. Thomas, US Virgin Islands. It's going to be brought across from the British Virgin Islands to us. Okay, we're good. We're home. We're, we're going to make it work. We finally, yeah. We're going to buy a boat. Yeah. We'll be there on the 22nd of December. So good. just hold yeah. out a little bit longer. I know it's busy with Christmas, but I promise we will do our best to get it to you. And, <laughs> and every day they kind of said, oh, no, we haven't got the paperwork because uh, they needed to get special permission from the government to sail across that border, obviously. And uh, I think with about five minutes left to the deadline, they finally got permission and were able to sail it back across. Oh. We were just like, oh my goodness. Because oh. at that point, it was the whole, if this falls through, we, do we want to stay in this <laughs> random country for Christmas on our own when all of our dreams have shattered at our feet? <laughs> but, but the boat came, it arrived. So the boat, we arranged a, a slip in a marina for the boat to be brought into so that we could kind of, the best day of your life. You're buying a new home. Yeah. It's going to be so magical. Briny, carry me across the threshold. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so we had the slip organised and we spoke into the marina staff to, so they'd be on hand to grab the ropes of the boat as it came in and things like this. And uh, the, we get a phone call from the broker who's decided that he's going to be the guy to sail the boat across from British okay. Virgin Islands to, to us. And he's saying... Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm on my way. Okay, great, we have a slip organised for you. And then we watch as he sails straight past the slip and then goes on to the fuel dock, the, the filling station for boats, unannounced. You're meant to call in ahead and say you're coming in. He didn't do that. He just turned up. No. Uh, he slams it against the fuel dock with no fenders, no big balloons on the side to stop it from being dented or damaged. Uh, phones Briny, who says, yeah, we have a slip for you. What are you doing? He's like, oh, no, no, I can't do that. I c that's too scary. I can't handle the boat myself like that. You'll just have to come get it. Oh, and by the way, you'll probably need those fenders. Laughs and hangs up the phone. Ugh. So we walk down. It takes us about 20 minutes to get to the fuel dock because there's a whole bunch of locked gates and we need to go and get key cards and stuff from the staff there. Um, and so the boat has been blocking up this queue. It's Christmas week. It's crazy busy. There's a queue of boats waiting to get onto the fuel dock to fill up and take their guests off for the Christmas holiday. 
And um, so we finally arrive and, and the guys working there were like, oh, hi, is this your boat? And we uh, were like, I don't actually know. <laughs> I, I, I guess, yeah. I think so. Well, the problem is that the guy had hung up the phone and literally, <laughs> to use the term, jumped ship. <laughs> he jumped off the side of the boat into a speedboat and had raced what? back across the border. So he'd Le abandoned the boat. <laughs> Leaving How did he do that? Running. Yeah, left both engines <laughs> running, had taken half of the kind of inventory of the boat with him and uh, fled, the country. fled the country and we've never seen him since. Um, so we kind of eventually, after writing down the account of what happened and the, the boat was quite badly damaged and getting, you know, the fuel station guy to, to mm. fill in a, a signature mm. that he'd seen this all happen and things like that, we, we kind of awkwardly set foot on the boat, <laughs> not knowing if we should or if it was actually ours. And, and, uh, and then we, having just set foot on this boat for the first time as our boat, um, yeah. There is this big queue of boats wanting to get to the filling station. So we're told, you know, you got to move, guys. Hurry up. So we've just yeah. set foot on the boat for the first time. We the untie the line. is like crazy high with everything You don't know going if it's going to be damaged from the impact or Correct. saleable. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And we have to untie the ropes and, and drive it, sail it into this tiny, narrow marina slip that we'd organized, this car parking space. Um, <laughs> and, you know, we're still trying to, you know, happiest day of your life. You've just bought a boat, but I'm really not feeling yeah. great. <laughs> And, uh, oh. and yes, we, we did. We managed to get the boat into the slip quite easily, actually, yeah. uh, to the, the other guy's discredit. And uh, <laughs> tied off the boat and then kind of looked at each other and went, uh, we, we've done it. I guess this is it. Welcome to the dream. We live boat life. Wow. Let's start fixing stuff. You know? wow. uh, and so that was, wow. yeah, 22nd of December. We then we, we filled the boat up with food and things for Christmas. We took it around the corner. And then the fuel tank exploded on the 27th of December. What? So we had to repair that. And yeah. then what else? I travel a car on the main sail. So the boom like exploded as, as we were just about setting wow. sail one day. So that kind of swung around and nearly damaged something. So yeah, basically Lots within the first two or three wrong. weeks, we, we no, discovered all the things that is... they hadn't told us about. <laughs> and this is all in 2020, yeah? Uh, yeah. Yes, 2020. Yeah. So, yeah, so during COVID you know, and everything else. Officially, most interesting 2020 of anyone. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly the longest story. I apologize to anyone who's been no. hanging in here. I'm saying YouTube needs to be giving you an award right now because that is unreal. <laughs> that is just amazing. I've been kind of following it's, you it's on Google Maps, which I recommend as a way to do it. Uh, yes, just, yeah, absolutely. Just incredible. And, and so is this the boat that you're on right now? And so, yes, this is still the boat. She didn't sink after all of that damage and all of the damage that has happened since. Uh, <laughs> she's still floating. And we, we like to call her our rescue cat. She's a catamaran. Um, and, uh, yeah, she was not well looked after by the, yeah. the company that chartered her for 15 years. Um, and so now that we've got her, we sort of, you know, she's like a little rescue cat hiding behind the sofa, scratches <laughs> us when she yeah. doesn't really feel comfortable. But we yeah. hope in time she'll come to love us as much as we love her. Wow. Oh, <laughs> boy, that's just amazing. And this is life on the boat now. You got it. Wow. And, Pretty um, much, yeah. Living the dream. <laughs> yeah, that is that is the dream. Um, how And how has the dream been going since um you've you've got the rescue cat it has been wild um yeah yeah it's so hard to convey what it's like mm. when you so we left society as we knew it certainly um left behind everything that we were tied to in in the uk and basically we are nomadic we have no permanent address and yeah we have since we moved on board again it's spoilers for people who are following along but we've traversed the caribbean now 
three times in total. Yeah, wow. we visited about 15 different countries in the last 18 months. Yeah, 15 um, different countries, 19 countries in total. Yeah. Wow. Um, we've crossed pirate infested waters. We've been beaten up by Venezuelan drug lords. We've run around, okay, yeah, around yeah, yeah. whales. We've just, the highs and lows have just continued. Just, wow. we now have a slightly more stable base of we have a home that is our own. Um, but there are still highs and lows wow. that come along the way with that. I, I love whale stories, but I'm going to go after the Venezuelan drug lord story and say, uh, <laughs> depending, depending on how that goes. Uh, <laughs> that, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, okay, so Venezuela is south of the Caribbean and it's... Yes, um, it's kind of the, one of the first countries in South America if you were working your way down through the Caribbean. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of notorious as a country. It's, it's not the most stable of countries politically or societally. Okay. No, Is most sailors um, steer clear of it. Um, we tried to. Uh, we sailed to Trinidad, which is right off the Venezuelan coast. So you yeah. sail between uh, the Bocas, which is like just some islands. They have the um, great name. Going between the Bocas has this, is named <laughs> as a, a pass through between two very small islands called the Dragon's Mouth. Wow. It is really that kind also... of instills this sense oh, yeah. of dread as you arrive. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, yeah. I also see that very near Trinidad and Tobago is uh, Scarborough. Really? I didn't know that. There's also a Scotland Bay just as you arrived. That kind of gave us a nice welcome Gosh. home feeling as well. I could hear the bagpipes as we pulled up. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Gosh. Oh, my goodness. Um, so, okay, okay. so you, you hit Trinidad and Tobago and then... Yeah. So, so yeah, we, we actually... Uh, the scary part was going Venezuela? to Trinidad. Well, yeah, the scary part was actually going to Trinidad. Um, you pass through a kind of area that's known as a pirate waters if you like which is usually an overhyped phrase to be brutally yeah. honest um yeah. but yeah we did it at night we did it incredibly fast we had radar on at the time so we could see anyone nearby and to be honest we didn't have any troubles going through the waters to get there yeah um once we passed through the dragon's mouth which you have to say like that um <laughs> we got picked up by the the trinidadian coast guard were waiting yeah, they for were, us they were waiting to meet us kind of blocking our path so that we couldn't actually get into the country Whoa. um and they came right over and <laughs> and not only came over for a vi for a visit but three of them actually boarded us um, it was great they asked us do you have any weapons on board and i turned to them and said only the guns you're carrying <laughs> and they kind of looked confused at me because of course you don't get sarky answers like that very often uh, <laughs> but they then kind of, you know, what is it you're doing? And they saw us wearing microphones. They asked us about that. They said, oh, we do YouTube as a, a thing that we do. And they, they were asking about the channel. So while they're tearing our boat apart, checking every cabinet. Like and subscribe? Like and subscribe? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> well, we didn't have to say that. And we found out, you know, they were, they were down in one hull looking through the cabinets behind something to check if we had any drugs. And uh, Ian heard me talking and he sort of shouted across, yeah, what's that? And I was like, that wasn't me, but I can hear me talking too. What's going on? The Coast Guard are watching an episode on their phone as they're raking the boat apart. <laughs> <laughs> All about the views, right? That's it. I just need to watch the whole thing. That's the important. Your view hours are important. Uh, <laughs> So, so yeah, anyway, I'll skip through the story a little bit because they hang around on the boat. They decide to stay with us all the way to uh, like the anchorage that we're going to be in. So we take up what's yeah. called a mooring ball, which is like a permanent anchor with a floating ball on top of it. And uh, we tied off to that, asking them, is this good? He said, yep, that's the one I want you on. Okay. No worries, tied off. And they left. Um, and we've been up for a day and a half, two days by that point. So we're pretty tired. Mm -hmm. So we go to bed. And uh, so we go to bed about nine o'clock at night, I think. Mm. And at one o'clock in the morning, yeah, one in the morning, I wake yeah. up to a strange sound and I look out the tiny port light, the small window at the foot of the bed. And all I see is the side of a boat up against us, 
moving oh, no. past us. Right. Uh, which isn't usually a good thing. So I run outside and, and discover there's this Venezuelan fishing vessel. We're going to call it that for now. Okay. Uh, which had decided in the middle of the night to anchor too close to us. And then when the, the tides and the currents and the wind had all changed, they had effectively slammed into one side of the boat, across mm. the front, and then all the way down the other side of the boat. And I caught them just as they were about to ride up the back of our boat and run over yeah. us. Um, so I'm standing on the back of our boat, holding the, the bow, the front of their boat, off of us, asking them, hey guys, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? And they speak Spanish in Venezuela, so they don't understand what I'm saying. And uh, so we don't really communicate very well, and I'm trying to kind of gesture, let's sort this out, and then we'll talk and get it fixed. And uh, eventually I free them from us, so they swing away from our boat enough that they can lift their anchor, turn off all their lights, and sail off into the darkness. So it's a hit and run, if you like. Yeah, yeah. Um, so once again, our beloved home has got some nice big dents in the side of it, uh, which we'd kind of not wanted to have happen ever again. <laughs> and uh, so we call in the Coast Guard, our friends, uh, as well as the police and the, the local boatyards and authorities and everybody we could think of. We gave them this big, long account of what happened. If you haven't worked out already, we're quite talkative people. Verbose. So <laughs> yeah, we're very verbose. <laughs> Apologies for that. And uh, long story short, we eventually get lifted out into this boatyard in Trinidad. Uh, which is our yeah. intention. That's why we were there. And just as the boat's being rested on some wooden blocks and things where it's going to be its home for the next wee while, this kind of beefy looking guy comes over looking a little bit intimidating. <laughs> and he says, uh, is this your boat? Uh, yes. I heard you had problems. Uh, well, we hauled the boat out to fix the boat in general. So yeah, we're just working on some stuff. Yes, yes. But I heard you had problems in the bay. Uh, mm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, thick Whoa. Venezuelan accent involved, which I can't do a very good impression of. And uh, so eventually I'm like, yeah, yeah, we had a bit of an incident, but you know, we'll, we'll get it sorted out somehow. Yeah. Goes, mm, how much, I'm like, how much of an incident or how much to fix the problems? How much to fix it? So I call over a, a boatyard contractor, a guy who does a lot of repair works uh, on boats. I'm like, hey, can you give me a rough idea of what it would be to, to fix all the mistakes, all the things that have happened? And he kind of looks at me confused, writes down a number and hands it to me quietly. So I go over to this beefy Venezuelan guy and I pass him the note. It should have been under a bridge on a rainy day, I think. It really should have been. Yeah, yeah. 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 He should have flashed his headlights. I should have flashed mine back. <laughs> You're telling the story. You could have added that in the beginning. I should have, yeah. <laughs> so the rain staves off just long enough uh, <laughs> that we, we hand over our number, you know, across the desk. And, yeah. uh, and he looks at it, then pulls out a wad of cash and counts out dollar bills and hands it to me. Oh my and goodness. Okay, uh, why why are you doing this? You know that doesn't really make sense to me. He says, just take the money. I know the owner of the boat, and because you reported it to the coast guard, that boat isn't allowed into the Trinidad waters anymore, or it'll be impounded, and I can't have that. So take oh, this money no. and go away. No more problems. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So basically, the the fisherman on the boat had fleed Trinidad. Uh, the coast guard oh, said, well, now they've left, we can't do anything about it, but we can stop yeah. them coming in. Um, and so they wanted to come in and fish. Fish. Um, fish. <laughs> fish. And fish. they weren't able fish. to because the Coast Guard wouldn't let them. And so they had all gone to the owner of the boat and said, look, look, we've got starving families at home. We can't feed our children because we can't go to work. So you need to yeah. sort this out. So she had sent this guy around to say, look, just, just solve it. And then they can oh. get back to work and they can earn money again. So we're not going to go to Venezuela. Ever. No. Yeah, ever. Wow. I'm not sure we'd be welcome there right now. I don't quite wow. know what the deal is. Yeah. You so know, Indy, the, the boat got beat up by Venezuelan drug dealers, is how yeah. I, I see that. And she survived. She's badass. <laughs> She's seriously tough. <laughs> oh, 
So, right. Uh, I've heard of this program. Not seen it yet. Heard it's all right. It's called Below Deck. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Why, why is anyone watching Below Deck when what they really should do is just send that crew to you Because this is way better. <laughs> They don't need to send wow. the crew. We film it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. 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 In fact, don't send the crew. Like and subscribe. <laughs> like and subscribe. Like, comment and subscribe. <laughs> uh, oh, goodness. Yeah, wow. It's, so, it's right, I, I, I mean, I'm like, amazing, amazing life, amazing stuff. With with all this, I've got I to kind of explore the, the, some of what makes the two of you tick and work. And, um, because, you know... There's there's a lot in just even making the decision, having the courage to follow a dream. Next bit of that being to to put action in it and, and a dream that involves selling all your possessions and moving. And and then to have the fortitude to see it through and, and, and live in it. So you know, under underneath all of it, I'm 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 amazed. Um and, and so I guess like one question is sort of why uh, why do you do what you do? I love it. Just um, why? Just why yeah. would you do this? Why? <laughs> the good kind of why. One of my favourite things when we finally told our friends and our family what we were doing was that look of shock on their faces as they went, oh my goodness, that's mm. absolutely wild. That's incredible. And then they kind of took a beat and they went, oh, no, wait a minute. I'm not surprised. It's you two. <laughs> and, and I've just always enjoyed the kind of having a go at doing something different. I've yeah. done a lot of different jobs in my life. I've not really been one for sticking at one career. I just like collecting experiences, feeling like I'm making the most out of, out of the, the time that we have. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's, it's a weird one. So we had this kind of epiphany moment, I suppose. <laughs> um, we realized that by doing this kind of adventure, or actually even before we even started this adventure, we realized that a lot of people are chasing money or fame, or both. Um, you know, you go to work to make money to be able to buy stuff. <laughs> and you maybe think one day I'll have all the money I need. And you work really hard all your life and hopefully you accrue enough money to match your needs. That's kind of one mentality. Um, we realized that you, you can have money or you have time, but you rarely get both. If you want right. to have money, you have to give up a lot of time for it. If you want to have time, you might have to give up a lot of money for it. Yeah. Um, and so certainly, yeah, we had a moment where we realized, okay, we could chase after money all our lives, or we could say, I can make money later. If I have to, I will find somehow money will come to us enough to keep us alive. Yeah. Which is a very optimistic thing. I realize not everyone can, can look at the world that way. Um, but we can't make more time. We only have a limited amount of lifetime, as it were. Uh, certainly here we, we are only going to be alive on this earth so long so we can spend that time differently. Um, so really this was kind of a sacrificial or no, a, a shift in perspective mm. to say instead of trying to earn money, let's earn ourselves time. Let's mm. use that with, with a benefit to the world and hopefully, as Bernie says, a benefit to us in more experiences. So, wow. um, so yeah. yeah, a lot of this has been just saying, well, time is valuable. Let's use that somehow to, to help the world. I was going to say to change the world. That sounds way too American. <laughs> Back it down a step. Yeah, so our idea is that we, we basically don't have any money. I was going to say we don't have a lot of money. Uh, we, we don't have money that we can give away, that we can donate to causes and charities. But our time is now 
our value it's mm. it's we're so flexible with it um yeah we have the freedom to do what we want with our time and so we hope that each island that we travel to we can meet people in the community there we can see what the needs are and we can donate our time if it's useful so whether we have skills that that can meet the needs of people working in that area or working with the community um that's great we'll donate the skills if not you know well what can we do that anybody could do that doesn't need particular skills but you know we've got a free day what can we do to help out yeah. and part of that has been the youtube side of things so uh, there's quite a misconception out there that youtube is all about us going look at the amazing world we live in um as in look how lovely it is sitting around in swim shorts and diving off the back of the boat every day well it's our channel's not quite like that. <laughs> As yeah. you've heard from some of the stories already, it's a very, <laughs> very convoluted adventure. Um, but a big part of the reason of starting it was we wanted to find a conduit where if we meet these people where we can't necessarily give back. You know, I'm not a specialist in surgery, so there's no point in me offering to help a surgeon if we meet one, but I can shine a spotlight on what they do. So that person doing yeah. something absolutely incredible, I can hope that their inspirational story when shared through video on YouTube or Vimeo or whatever it is we put it up on, if yeah. we can get that to somebody else, maybe it inspires that other person to do something similar or more or different. Um, so that's kind of where it's come from. When we bump into these incredible people in different places, it's the chance for us to shine a spotlight on them and say, we think they're incredible. Maybe yeah. someone else would like to hear that story, you know? Wow. And that um, experience of, you know, grabbing time, uh, has become very popular at the moment. There's the idea of time poverty that's um, quite popular now. <laughs> that, um, again, people uh, feel like... It's still, I mean, ultimately, it's everyone's, many people's own choice of, of where the time goes when, when yes. push comes to shove. Um, but actually, the, the notion of feeling like people are overburdened, overbusy... Uh, even after the pandemic, even after all that time of <laughs> of thoughtfulness and wondering, um, many people have moved back up to some level of, of self-induced burnout. Um, yeah. And this perception of having time poverty has kicked in. So what, um, what sort of values maybe un underpinned that shift for you? That I suppose if people are thinking through that bit, uh, what kind of thoughts led you to... A value time in a different way uh, it's interesting one. so from my perspective um so i haven't talked a lot about life before the boat but i ran a company which kind of worked across europe the middle east africa and russia mm -hmm. so i spent an awful lot of time in airports in metal tubes in the sky or in a hotel room in a foreign land i'd never been to before yeah and uh and each one of those trips i started to realize i was using up i started trying to be efficient with time because it would mm -hmm. be like I know, why don't you fly to Moscow? A great place to mention right now, but you know, fly to Moscow. Well, that's five to six hours of travel time. I'm there for one day of meetings and then another five to six hours to get back. That's yeah. gonna burn three days of my time. And in three days I could write a million emails. Oh, I wish I could do that instead. Um, mm. And I started to become very sensitive to, okay, let me see if I can go to Moscow. Can I piggyback that to fly somewhere else, somewhere else, somewhere else, and then come home. Um, yeah. And it just felt like that commodity was running away from me, which I'm sure lots of people feel that, that there's never enough time. <laughs> and if there is enough time, you want to be efficient with it because, you know, you've got to pack stuff in there and make it valuable. Mm. And actually, once I started to clock that from my point of view, I was like, well, maybe if I could just shuffle this around and say, well, I can do an awful lot of work if I'm not wasting time. So okay. it kind of it sounds counterproductive. Living on a boat, you have a lot of time where you're sitting around doing very little. Uh, particularly on passage. You, you're basically sitting in front of a car wheel driving along a very straight road for a very long time. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
but you're getting somewhere, which is a good thing. And you're learning along the way and you get to see incredible things like dolphins and whales yeah. and stars yeah. and bioluminescence and all sorts. Um, but I think that was kind of where the shift for me came. It was the, the using up of time in things that I didn't think were particularly purposeful. Yeah. Um, and my job, it, let's put it this way, it wasn't something I would write home saying I was so proud of things I was doing. It has okay. its highlights and the things you can talk about, but um, it's not like I want to leave my stamp on this earth saying that I did this, you know? Yeah, um, okay. So it was kind of nice to move on from that. I don't know, is that kind of where you're going? I want to make sure I answer your question yeah. accurately. No, that's fast. I think that's it. It's fascinating that sort of being cognizant of in the moment where you feel like you are um, burning time to yeah. to change the space for it and um, and to value it in a different way because that's a huge a huge shift that tends to come up amongst people that have uh, not not a level of success but just a level of meaningfulness about mm. their life is is often it started or at some point there was a valuing of time in a different way. Uh, well, I think also people have fallen into the trap of particularly post COVID and we've not been in normal society after COVID. But... <laughs> it's not got much better, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but I get the impression from people we talk to, there's an element of catching up going mm. on. It's like people feel like they lost time, so they're now rushing right. to fill it. Right. And, uh, and it's kind of funny because we, for a while, we were in the same mode. It was like, okay, we have to value what we're doing now for as much as possible because it won't last forever. And it almost felt like it was this elongated holiday thing. You know, this, I'm taking my time yeah. out to do this. And after a couple of months, almost a year, we kind of had this mental shift to going, no, no, this is the normal. This is life. So don't think of it as I have to soak every moment because it's about to end. Instead, experience this until the next great thing comes along mm. and then do that. You know. Mm. Um, so I wonder if that kind of shift in the way people perceive time from COVID where it may have felt a bit wasted or like you say, sat around on the couch pondering. Yeah. And now it's like, well, I got to do two years worth of work to catch up. No, you don't. <laughs> in my opinion, you know, some people do. I'm sure, but uh. yeah, well, lovely. Um, and and in terms of you know that some of that, how how do you do this? How how does a day work? How do you organise time and energy, Brian? That was that was something I understand. Or Ian gave you credit for that basically when he was touching base before. But what what does that? I was just saying, what's yeah, that look she's like? the organiser. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's so difficult. I I mean, you were talking about kind of a year into getting the boat and we kind of had this shift in perspective and, and about eight months after we'd been living on board I had not quite a mental breakdown but a huge a week or two where I really mm. had to kind of do some soul searching and work through yeah. because things had settled down we had bought the boat and we had settled into life on board we had uh, a list of major projects that we had to do on the boat to get it up to living standards yeah. um, <laughs> and at the point that we finished those it was like oh well well, what do we do now? What wow. What's my purpose? Like, it, yeah. like you were saying, it felt like we were on holiday because we were living in these incredibly beautiful places surrounded by, to be honest, a lot of people who live on boats because they're retired, so they're not working. Mm -hmm. So they have a different kind of view on life. And, and I had been a teacher. I had come out from teaching in some inner city Glasgow schools. Yeah. Um, and, and I could have come away from every single day saying, yeah, I, I made a difference in a child's life. And I had removed myself from that, which which was difficult because I loved my job. And I kind of faced this, well, what are we even doing? You know, is this a really selfish way to live? Because it, it feels like it because it's awesome. <laughs> um, and I really needed it to be something more. 
Um, and so in the same way, like time management and, and scheduling and mm. routines have just all gone out the window. We can... Yeah, every day is slightly different. Yeah. So yeah. We, we'll, in terms of video editing for Patreon and ultimately ends up on YouTube, um, that will be like a day in our week. We'll yeah. take a day to do nothing but sit in laptops inside and work away churning out an episode. Um, we have actually, for Patreon, we do some other content as well. So yeah. we have a bit of extra editing to go with that. So that might be a, a day of solid laptop indoor at the desk, if you like. Yeah. Um, and I should caveat, anyone who thinks, yeah, but your desk is sitting on this beautiful turquoise water. Often it's, as I said at the start of this, it's 30 degrees inside <laughs> and you're kind of desperately trying to stay cool. So you're sweating away. It, it can be a bit hard sometimes, but you then walk outside and the back garden looks beautiful. Yes. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. so can't argue too much. There's, um, there's always boat projects as well. Like it. you live on a boat and the sea is trying to kill you. So yeah. there's always something that is breaking that needs money and time and skill to fix. And you usually have to learn the skill before you can start doing it. And then yeah. quite often you're on an island, so you can't buy the parts you need. So you have to sail somewhere else to buy the parts, to learn wow. the thing, to do the thing. So everything takes three times longer than you expect it to oh yeah, yeah. Um, and that comes down to food shopping too if you want to go provisioning yeah. as they call it go to the shops to buy some dinner that can easily be a whole day affair because yeah. we don't have a car obviously and uh dinghy docks the places we can take our our dinghy the floating tender if you like we can take that to a dock tie off usually they're not that close to the nearest asda yeah. Um, so, so it's like a half hour walk to buy the stuff and you can only buy yeah. whatever you can carry and then it's a 45 minute walk back because you're carrying stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so so it's, it's, it's a weird mix. There's no standard pattern to any given day or even any given week. No. Um, and then like Ryan says, in maintenance, there's also just general things like, so we run off nothing but solar. We have the sun to charge our batteries. Oh, wow. Okay. So anything we need to plug in at all has to run off the batteries. And if you don't get enough charging on a cloudy day, and then you know what tonight we don't run the laptops and you know yeah. what tonight we're going to turn the fridge off which means oh wait is there anything in the fridge that's going to spoil that means yeah. that's now dinner um <laughs> and that kind of thing and we have a water maker to make water out of the seawater around us we can turn it into fresh water oh, wow. again it uses electricity so yeah. if we don't keep the tank full and we don't have enough electricity well now we don't have any water to wash up shower drink yeah so there's a whole like level of planning that goes into oh i'm gonna look at the weather forecast thursday is gonna be kind of cloudy so actually i need to make water on wednesday when i know i have enough power to top up the tank so i can have a shower you know everything kind of layers (laughs) up and invariably every three weeks we mess it up and run out of water or run out of solar or run out of something and uh, you have to come up with an alternative plan anyway (laughs) (laughs) it's just incredible and and um and some of the stuff then in the in the future looks like you are are visiting people that are inspiring and who who do you hope to meet what what do you hope is in the future of this thing well that's an interesting one so we've we've had the fortune of meeting some incredible people already um and the best part is we've basically not anticipated any of them no yes (laughs) so we've met uh a lady actually not far from here who runs a, a community project doing murals throughout a town that's been a bit beat up by hurricanes um, she also runs a massive volunteering weekend every year uh, where people from other countries fly in just to volunteer and help do beach cleans or to build a school or whatever. Um, and we had the chance to meet her and sit with her for a day and learn what she gets up to and, and filmed it. Uh, we met the man who basically created Yoda from Star Wars. Yeah, he was no the sculptor. Way. I um, saw this. And like in- developed the, the remote control, you know, remote how it control Yoda. Yeah. in the films and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. incredible. And he's a, an incredible artist. You know, he did Yoda as kind of his star moment, but he's actually done some incredible wow. things. And he's also a painter, What's a musician. His name? Uh, Nick Maley is right. his name. Wow. 
Okay. Um, and yeah, he's, he's stunning. He's absolutely really cool character, really inspiring kind of guy. Yeah. And then we bumped into a guy who's uh, a gentleman called Don down in Trinidad, actually, who builds his own catamarans. He builds his own boats and oh. has done for years. And, yeah. uh, and he's just such a generous and kind guy. Yeah, he's so encouraging. Like we were in Trinidad, so we were doing work on our boat. So he, although he was on a really tight time schedule to get his boat built, he gave up like three or four days of his own time just to come out and help us and teach us some stuff wow. and gave us some fiberglass materials so that we could do a project better than we were going to do it. Yeah. Um, and he like does a whole bunch of work to sort of support, support the youth in yeah. his community and stuff. Oh, he does the most Caribbean amazing. thing ever. I love it. So uh, <laughs> he sponsors a steel pan band. You know the kind of the Caribbean Super, steel yeah. drums? Yeah. Uh, turns out that's like a really big deal like hundreds of people get together in one massive band and they play these crazy songs and yeah. uh so he bought the steel pans for an entire band of like i don't know 50 people 100 yeah people. and they're really not that cheap and he just he wanted to give something to the community he lived and worked in and so yeah they they sponsored the i forget the name of them now they're called the powerboat steel scorpions or something, something yeah. like some that. crazy like rock name you know uh <laughs> so yeah these are the people beautiful. we met already yeah. and then we're kind of we're kind of playing around with our direction now. We, we ultimately are thinking we're heading west, um, which is kind of a big scary deal if we head that way. Because when you head west from where we are, you're kind of heading towards the Pacific. Um, yeah. And it's not that easy to turn around. So that's it. It just If we go with the trade winds, which is the easiest yeah. way to sail. So yes, please. Uh, it means it's very <laughs> difficult to sail the opposite way because obviously that's the opposite way to the trade winds. Yeah. So uh, any, any big decision that we make to go with the winds Kind of is a little bit final in leaving the area where we are yeah um, so and, and that takes that. yeah i think we're ready for it and it takes us to communities that we've not yet experienced like new cultures and things um yeah. particularly in the direction of panama there's a, so in the caribbean it's quite westernized okay um historically it's been colonized by the french the british the americans uh as we mentioned the british scottish very much over here as well yeah so yeah. it's got quite an american feel to it or a french feel to it depending where you go a lot of the time um Whereas as you head towards Panama, you're getting that sort of uh, Hispanic community type vibe, the more Spanish vibe. Um, wow. And there's still quite a lot of tribes and things like some of the places we've been looking at. You have to check in like passport control is with the tribal elder. You know, it's that kind of okay. stuff. Yeah. Um, and just seeing how that way of life works in this yeah. kind of modernized world where you can't a lot of places can't really ignore the modern world. There are these places that are still holding on to their true traditions in a different way. So Beautiful. we don't really know who we're going to meet, but we're yeah. very excited to see who we do. Yeah. <laughs> so am I. This is, this is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So it's potentially over to over to Panama and then and then see from there. Hey, that, and I love Pretty that. Much I mean, go where the wind takes us. Yeah. 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 That is. Um, how how have you? I suppose processed or or sort of interface with some of the responses you get from this this kind of way because I, I think you speak into something of the adventure that everyone is seeking and everyone's looking for and you know every, uh, an element of people that they probably would love to love to do so how how do you sort of um relate when you're maybe ringing back home or um picking up on what's occurring elsewhere from your perspective <laughs> yeah, it's now. really interesting because at first it, it was almost like a divider you know we would talk to friends or family back home and the way that we live now is so far removed from the way that we used to live and the way that our friends and family live 
people didn't even have a hook into the conversation, so they didn't uh-huh. know what questions to ask uh-huh. because it was just like, oh, you live on a boat, what's that like? You know, and then and we couldn't ask many questions because at the time we'd call back to parents and like, yeah, we just saw dolphins and we've been swimming here and we, we just hiked yeah. a massive mountain and seen a cannon from the mugged. 1700s. <laughs> just got mugged. And they would be like, yeah, it was quite a good episode of Shetland on last night. <laughs> Well, exactly. That's all there was. Um, but people have said that actually, now that we're releasing videos of what we're doing, it gives them more of an insight. Because you know, if we have like a Zoom video call or something, they can yeah. see the background, but it's all pixely, and it, obviously it doesn't move because we're having a conversation. Um, but by watching the videos, they kind of get that bit more of an insight into what it's actually like. And so yes. our conversations have opened up so much now because they're able to go oh, I saw that you were installing solar panels on your boat and I had a question about this and how does that work? And, you know, it, right. it kind of, yeah. it invites people into our lives and it makes such a huge difference for us because yeah. it feels like Massive. we are on this journey with a whole bunch of people because we never set out to do this on yeah. our own, even though it's a much more isolating way of life. Yeah, we refer to, like <laughs> I mentioned, we have a Patreon and we refer to everyone as a patron as part of the crew community, which is such a cheesy term. Um, but part of the gang, you know, they're part of the crew, you know? <laughs> So uh, the community yeah. are always there offering advice because yeah. a lot of them have actually done this lifestyle. And yeah. the ones who haven't okay. are always asking really interesting questions, mm-hmm. um, which make us think. Because sometimes we just yeah. go with the flow and it's like, well, I, I read the manual that said to plug that into that. Um, <laughs> and then someone asks me about it, like, well, I have to read up and actually learn now. <laughs> Why does that plug into that? You know? <laughs> it's, uh, it's phenomenal. I've, well, it's just been absolutely wonderful hearing about it and <laughs> and being present with you i've i've uh, i feel i've been out there with you for a little bit of time there and oh, spent awesome. some time You're on these islands. Time. you know that right i know i've actually i've just been thinking about how i might do that so there you go uh, yeah i can get a flight to miami and then i'll take a boat i'll uh, boat hike there you, there you go yeah because we have a rule you can have a place or a date you can't have both Okay. Because it's the winds that dictate when we move and it's the places nearest us that dictate where we can end up. So, yeah, uh, whenever we plan anything about where we're going, that never actually happens because things <laughs> always come up and a hurricane comes along and we have to shoot the other way or the wind yeah. dies and we're stuck here for a month. But, you know, yeah. wow. but, you know if you want to get into the general vicinity, let's hang out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you think, I mean, um, do you think just the, the nature of living life with an expectation that things aren't necessarily going to go your the way of your little plan and calendar... Is does that free you up? Is that part of the the liberty? In that in that a hurricane comes, most people would be potentially disaster. But you're not naive to what might occur, as you say. You're living on a sea, and the sea's trying to kill you. What I mean, maybe my closing question is: What is it like to live with less naivety? It is the most liberating experience that yeah. I've ever had. Absolutely, um, we are. So having lived in calendars, in meeting requests, in flights that I have to catch, etc., um, we would now say the biggest stress we have is actually my parents came to visit recently, and that was one of the biggest stresses we had because we <laughs> not my parents being here. I should phrase that better. Uh, you yes. said that, not me. You said that, not me. <laughs> Your parents, not the in-laws. Your parents. <laughs> this is, yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, so let me backtrack. Uh, <laughs> The biggest stress we had was it meant we had to be in the right place yeah. at the right time to receive them and we had to get back to the right place at the right time yeah. to boot them off the boat. I mean to see them off. <laughs> uh, so, so we had to juggle, suddenly there was this calendar lock-in that we'd not really seen for sure. two year, a year yeah. and a half, you know. Yeah. Um, 
and and it suddenly reminded me of just how freeing we are or freed we are now that yeah every day it's like well what day are you leaving for the next country i don't know what's the wind doing today mm. uh, not quite as much as i expected i'll go tomorrow um hurricane season we've sat through that and uh we actually didn't do it the way everyone else does surprise surprise uh we actually found ourselves up inside what they call the hurricane belt during hurricane season not advisable but you know <laughs> you it's know. quite fun <laughs> so uh talking about living off time schedules we basically <laughs> sat watching the weather and if we saw something building up in the atlantic that looked like it might become a hurricane we basically had to guess if it was going to go north south or hit us wow. and if it went north we would go for the south if it was going south we'd go for the north and we just dictate our our direction and what we were doing purely on the weather um which i'd like to say in scotland you dictate everything on the weather because it rains <laughs> every day uh, <laughs> that's how we do it here will i go in fact that's actually how we do it when uh, my wife and i go to skies will i go hike in the north island if it's raining in the south uh, ah, or will i just go. wait 10 minutes and then we'll see yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes exactly yeah so so yeah if, in response to that i have to say it's, for me at least i think i can say for both of us yeah. It's been incredibly freeing. Um, yeah, everyone should do it if they even have the temptation. Look into it and explore the idea because it's so rewarding. Wow. Yeah, wow. it's pos possibly the hardest thing I've ever done. Yeah. Oh yeah, every day. But it's incredibly rewarding at the same time. Wow. And where uh, where can people connect with you then? Um, oh, you've said about YouTube, said about Patreon. How does that work? How can people connect? Um, so our channel is called Red Seas, so basically just search that anywhere and you'll find us. So on YouTube, it's youtube.com forward slash Red Seas. Um, we have about 20 episodes or so up already. They come out every Sunday, so we're going to endeavour to keep uh, editing things <laughs> in time to get those out. Yeah. Um, Patreon.com forward slash Red Seas or um, any of social media stuff as well. We're real Red Seas on there. Yeah, Instagram, Facebook, well, phenomenal. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, I just I, oh, thank you for for your inspiration and uh, it's what's also lovely is um, I, I think I first met Ian uh, maybe oh, ten years ago, ago or yeah. so maybe even longer with the event uh, in Scotland and it was around music but what what's lovely is when people do these kinds of things and it's you know it's congruent to who you are as a person. And uh, I think that's what makes it even more inspiring is there's something about this that was sort of always teed up and always in how you engage with the world and with people that had an openness about it and a, a sense of adventure. Um, whether that was cabling a stage for a gig, you know, they would, <laughs> that, that came across. Um, and so it's wow. just brilliant um, seeing what you're up to now. And thank you so much for, for the conversation and bringing everyone into that. Well, and you. It's so nice to get to chat to you. And yeah. I have to admit, I've been loving the podcast. So, uh, thank you. yeah, do not stop. Keep it oh, up. Thanks. It's so, so much fun. Yeah. And it's a connection for us back home again, you know? Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> thank you. Well, uh, Ian, Bryony, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Ooh. I loved talking to them. You can connect with Ian and Bryony on Instagram and Facebook with at Real Red Seas youtube.com forward slash red seas and patreon.com forward slash red seas thank you so much for joining the conversation over the next week while please do get in touch with me on mark at markcameron.co if you want to talk podcasts guests if you want to explore coaching leadership teams get in touch i'll see you soon